0: All right, y'all. What is going on? This is your man L Jamal coming through with another edition of Never Out of Bounds. Of course, this is a place where you can say what you want as long as you got the facts. We have a few things to get into today. Uh, most notably, Game One of the NBA Finals. Of course, that is in the books. I wanted to get a deep dive into that. Of course, the final score and everything in between. Also, want to get into uh, some other news around the NBA as well as since we're going into the weekend, I wanted to get bringing an update on the MLB course the scores from last night we are headed into Friday as well as a look at the standings and the top 10 players in the league of course offensively and of course pitching on the mound and of course I wanted to wrap everything up with an upon for the review segment I finally have gotten through uh, the Dreamfield mixtape D-Day a great, against the Grills uh, So I wanted to get through that as well as Kendrick Lamar's newest album Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers and of course I'll be getting into all the stuff i have planned in the near future on the podcast and on youtube so let's go ahead and get into it of course like i mentioned game one is in the books and you know the result itself is very you know i'm gonna say surprising to say the least i am um i'm damn near stupefied. i don't think i've ever uh would have expected this final score 128 108 sorry 120 to 108 on the road for uh, Boston, they get the win here in Game One again. Just the way that they control that that fourth quarter, I've never seen Golden State. I've never seen Golden State get outplayed that way. They were outscored 40 to 16, and they was uh, particularly over the final five minutes. It seemed to be really bad where Boston would get the advantage, 17 to five. Again, they outscored Golden State 17 to five in crunch time. When has that ever happened? In the past, I guess, 7, eight, ten years almost. Now, Boston also go 9-11 from 3 with 5 different players scoring from that range. Does that happen again? Probably not. Maybe, maybe not. But also, Jason Tatum doesn't only score 12 points. That's very, I think that's, that's even scarier within itself boston blow this team blows this team out and jason tatum only puts up 12 and al holford is the leading scorer with 26 points three assists and six rebounds of course i had golden state winning in seven still think that's possible but it's surely anybody who thought it was going to be less than seven particularly five get the hell out of here you tripping You tripping. You'd be surprised what you'd be hearing out there. You know, I told you the fan base a little toxic and salty. But I love the players. I love Steph. You know what I'm saying? Thirty four points, five assists, five rebounds. But that fan base is a little bit toxic at times. So I'm just saying, you know, listen look at them on social media sometimes. Oh, you should have saw them in the game. I I saw this clip of this fan he had this shirt that said the uh, Golden State Funeral or something like that and the fans was just so pissed. I think they had him on like the TV camera too and you could just see the fans see the look on their face They was just oh my god I've never seen it but of course when they went in they boasting online and they boasting all oh, they love to the boast oh I love it I love when that happens oh god when front runner fans get get boohooed on like that oh and they just sitting there like mad they just ah. It was a funny thing to see. Now, again, I I don't think game two goes the same way. We've been seeing blowouts throughout the whole playoffs, so don't go into panic mode just yet. It's just interesting to see, you know, uh, particularly with Jason Tatum struggling offensively. But, again, like I said, uh, he would have his teammates around him to help him out. Uh, outside of him and Al Horford, three other players were scoring double digits, uh, including Derek White with 21 points. Surprising. Uh, And three assists, I think uh, Marcus Smart would have about um, 20-something as well. As far as uh, who else uh, did damage for Golden State offensively, of course, Clay would put up about 15. Uh, I think uh, Jordan Poole, I believe, was scoring in double digits as well. I I just don't have the number uh, in front of me right now. So, again, both, no. Uh, Well, I mean, Golden State had its stretches. They played really well in the first quarter. Again, like I said, Steph was a big part of that. Uh, the second quarter went in Boston's favor, though. Third quarter, I believe, went in Golden State's favor slightly, and then you had the blowout uh, in the fourth quarter. And you know that's that's the big takeaway. But again, we've been saying blowout, blowouts. Excuse me, throughout each round of the finals. I think Golden State has been a victim of blowouts, of blowout losses. So as Boston, I wouldn't be surprised if Boston turned around and got blown out in Game Two. It's just the way that the playoffs have been going. So don't get too bogged down by Golden State fans, and don't be too excited by this Boston fans. Just some of this has been the way of the playoffs so far. So again, um, you know, we are hoping for the Eastern Conference, uh, the Eastern Conference Finals MVP uh, to show up. Of course, uh, that being Jason Tatum, he averaged twenty-four points in that series, eight rebounds, five and a half assists. So I, you know, won't. I mean. I, you know, I won't be surprised when he eventually gets active, but just don't look for Golden State. Of course, with Golden State is just not going to lie down. But with that being said, I did want to break down uh, Steph's 31 points, 34 points. Now, a lot of that scoring was done in the first quarter. I mentioned that, you know, uh, they were up, uh, they were blowing them out kind of in the first quarter, but, uh, you know, Steph, like I said, would do a lot of his damage in that first quarter, including the six threes. Now his twenty one his twenty one points and his six threes were both NBA records for a quarter in a finals game. Now the cold part about the rest of his production throughout the game would be he would he would actually only just score thirteen more points on sixteen shots. So, you know, really inefficient and again, you know, through that in the finish inefficiency, you know, you also see again he didn't he wasn't productive so you know it also showcases that remember you know scores get streaky too now what i will say is you know for steph is that he doesn't always get at he doesn't he's it's not often that he gets streaky he usually stays hot he just kind of stay or just you know he usually gets hot and he gets hot for a moment he can stay hot for a moment but for the most part he's usually consistent with what he normally does he's you know truly consistent I have been seeing within his last season that he has had more stretches of just kind of just you know having those slumps. It just goes with the territory of being streaky and being a shooter. However, it's just the, what it is. I just you're just not used to seeing it with Steph as much, but it hasn't been as pronounced. So or it had or it hasn't been as pronounced, but now it seems like it might start be starting to be. It's it's really crazy. So uh, we got to think about all those things going into Game Two. Again, I think there's a potential for Boston to get blown out. It's just the way the way of the playoffs right now. But we'll just have to wait and see. Now let's move on to some other news around the league. Uh, I wanted to talk about uh, Zion and his thing going on with the Pelicans. It looks as though New Orleans is uh, it, they at least foresee Zion or they would like. For him to be involved in their near future however they just they're not really sure on what to invest in him right now now uh like i said the pelicans are working on a five-year extension for him worth uh 182 million to 195 million dollars and uh you know the thing about it though is only 100 million dollars of this is guaranteed so there's a there's a there's you know a ton of money left in incentives, so on and so forth yada 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 you know, and the, the thing about it right now, though, that leads for me to question a whole lot of things is he's on, he's under contract right now for a whole, uh, you know, a whole nother year. And, you know, of course, that, that means he, you know, doesn't have to, you know, look into this, you know, negotiation or this offer seriously, necessarily. And of course, he's set to become a restricted free agent next season in 2023, which means uh, he's a free agent and people can and teams can make their offers. But, you know, New Orleans has a right to match that offer, you know. And my whole thing is, now, mind you, his potential is there. His rookie season, he will average 22.5 points per game, on 58% shooting from the field, 42% shooting from three, of course. I think that sh- uh, three-point percentage is a little bit inflated because of the bubble and, you know, just limited action that he was playing uh, in terms of just, you know, a whole bunch of games. Because in 2020, the next season, uh, actually 2020 to twenty twenty to 2020 to 2021, he would he would actually go up in scoring per game to 27. Uh, his three point shooting would go down though to 29 percent. But overall, his field goal percentage would go up to 61 percent. Now, with that being said, he did not play at all this last season, and on top of that, he missed 20 seasons in that season previous to that. So in 2020 20, uh, to 2021, he missed a whole he missed 20 games there. So almost a quarter, pretty much a quarter of a season. So we know that he has potential, but he's also missed a ton of time. He seems to not have the greatest of worth ethic, ethic in terms of getting into shape. Now I'm just gonna call it how I see it because again, I'm a big dude with a similar body type, and it takes a certain amount of discipline to maintain a a a, a, a you know particular in shapeness. You know, um, when I was a for real athlete in my high school days and a little bit after that, mostly in high school, it took a lot of work and there would be days that I would feel dead <laughs> on arrival. Even now, you know, when I work out now and I'm taking that more serious now, the past few uh, past months that I've been doing that and just getting the regimen going, there's just days where you will just tap yourself out. You know, you just having that much weight on you and just that much not working consistently for a long time. It takes a lot out of you. He's already an athlete. He's already kind of been at it, but he's already showing those signs of, you know, when I'm when nobody's looking, I'm not gonna be doing shit. That's a red flag. That that's a warning. So, you know, and it it, it does And again, you know, and you know what comes with you know being on the uh, the heavier side is, you know, injuries are hev- uh, injuries are a little bit more serious. They hamper you a little bit more. There's always those implications. So, as the Pelicans right now, again, I'm, I'm sure of his, <clears throat> I'm aware of his potential. But I'm also looking at the bottom line of he's missed a whole lot of games. And he just doesn't seem that serious about playing. Now, maybe it's my franchise. I, but he just does not seem to be serious about suiting up anytime soon and playing significant basketball, significant meaningful minutes and with the team not really, you know, exceeding expectations or really, and let's be honest with you, this team was a, you know, barely a bubble team this year. Uh this past regular season, I they they could potentially miss the playoffs next year. You know, how much how how many millions would you want to invest in a player that's not really focused on, you know, the end result of at least helping y'all be a winning team. So, I wouldn't even I wouldn't even be talking about this right now. I think you know this is like a maybe a PR move, kind of for New Orleans to kind of make them, <clears throat> you know, what's the what, make them, you know, at least interest or make them seem interested and caring about Zion and you know want to make that effort because that's all they you know that's their best player I guess. So he just doesn't leave them or feel like Anthony Davis I guess, but. I, I wouldn't feel comfortable offering him any significant type of money at all right now maybe next season after we've seen him play a full season see what he really has to offer uh, in a full season what that means for our team and what it translates into does it translate into us making it past the bubble not being a bubble team that's what I would take into consideration he hasn't shown shown me that just yet so I don't know if I would have even offered him or even talked about offering him an extension in the first place and as far as I'm concerned, he needs to figure out what he what he wants to do with his career. And does he really want to play for New Orleans? Because even if he doesn't want to play for New Orleans, he's going to have to make himself or, yes, at least his his, his con- potential contract or extension uh, valuable or worthwhile by playing worthwhile basketball. And by playing solid minutes for New Orleans inevitably this season or this coming season. He's going to have to play minutes. He's going to have to, you know, average he averaged 27, he might have to average 28 on damn near 63% shooting, maybe 30% shooting from three, 30 something percent shooting from three Improve that as well. You know, if he really wants that big money, cause he, I mean, he could, I mean, he could potentially sit around loaf around next year too, maybe. And then I, I guess on potential alone, get something from somebody, but do you really want to test that? You know, um, I, They already kind of have you, you know. They kind of already have that. It seems like they kind of already have that vision of him and other, you know, just because of the media and what they've done. So they, I feel like GMS and coaches kind of already have that. have him paid and have that um, perception of him, and perception means a lot for them upper. That's all they ever talk Perception, perception, perception And it's hard, I'm telling you It's hard to break away their perception I'll tell you, once they get caught up on their little perceptions It's hard, I'm, me will, what you, Mr. Zion Been there, done <laughs> been there done that player so you know ball out if you can this season if you if you're mature enough ball out for the pelicans this season and then figure out whether or not you want to stay there or command a bigger or you know better contract possibly or just a better situation somewhere else because maybe new new orleans isn't the showcase for your potential and what your skill set is and it could be right i mean they're not that great of a team i you know, I don't know too many uh great players or, you know, star, uh potential free agents or, you know, even, you know, rookies who's mentioned New who Orleans as a destination. I could be wrong and, you know, if I am, let me know. But I just haven't it hasn't come across me, just like when Joe Kim Noah was talking about Cleveland, you know. Uh New Orleans is a exciting city in terms of Marty Raw, but you know, and the Saints are okay, but the Pelicans ain't good at all. So <laughs> let's let's just keep it real. And finally, before I let y'all go on the NBA standpoint, uh, Darvin Ham has officially become the new head coach of the Lakers. Now, who is Darvin Ham? Of course, for those of you who don't know, or my casuals out there, because. You know some of these facts, and some of these facts I'm a casual too. In terms of Darvin Ham, I'm definitely a casual. Uh, but he was a previous um assistant head coach for the Milwaukee Bucks, Bucks under Mike Budenholzer. So, again, he signed, we'll see, he's agreed to a four year deal as the, the Lakers head coach. Now, um, in terms of what he's done in Milwaukee, and we're going to compare it to uh what LA just did in this previous season, and like I said, he spent nine years. Um, I think over 18, something like that with Mike Budenholzer in general, about nine years in Milwaukee. Uh, We've pretty much seen what Milwaukee has done the past few years. They won the championship last year. And uh, in terms of what uh, the Bucks looked like this year, uh, they were third in scoring with 115 points per game. Uh, they were 19th in points allowed, though. They were also 14th, to middle of the road in defensive rating. On top of that, now again, the Lakers uh, well below expectations, of course, missing the playoffs uh, with a record of 33 and 49. And uh, but let's look at them a little bit too as well. Now last year of course they were Well, last season uh they were headed by frank vogel and uh, the surprising team the f- surprising thing here excuse me is that they were actually 11th in scoring with 112 points per game just three points less than milwaukee now mind you everybody's highlighting that you know Harvard's an offensive coach the h- offense wasn't necessarily their problem per se now i Efficiency and it efficiently definitely was because their offensive rating was one of the lowest in the league at 110. They were 23rd in that department. But defense is where they truly struggled with 28th. Uh, uh, they were 28th in points allowed per game at 115. They were also 21st in defensive rating. Uh, in terms of other offensive stats, though, they were 8th in field goal percentage. They were also 4th in pace at 100 So, really, this team, surprisingly, despite having a so-called defensive-minded head coach, was actually okay offensively. Uh, They just had uh, issues with efficiency. Of course, you know, uh, it's going to happen when two of your star players well, one of them, one of your star players, is dealing with strictly injuries. He's uh, relatively young, and not being AD. You have one of them who's old, much older, much more advanced, and dealing with some na- with nagging stuff. Of course, when we talk about LeBron, and you have another star player who's pretty much, pretty much the most inefficient in terms of offense, and of course generating turnovers. And we we're talking about Russell Westbrook. So their biggest thing really was just efficiency offensively. Uh, and that could have, and that can easily be improved over the course of an off season. But their thing was defense, so it makes sense to let go of Frank Vogel. I don't question that per se, but to bring in another offensive-minded head coach, particularly when their issue was defense, not to say that Darvin Ham, uh, because another another trait of which in which they like about him is his uh, ability apparently but you know again you don't see this because we're not in their locker room i'm not in milwaukee i'm not you know following all their beat reporters all the time to figure out what's going on so i don't necessarily know you just kind of have to go with what's been said he's apparently a great locker room guy who commands a lot of respect and he keeps it real uh Giannis and the has said that again outside of those comments outside of what you'll hear from you know those specific you know team websites you're not going to hear a whole lot about what's going on with the assistant coach per se about his style or anything like that but uh he's you know uh, you know supposedly very strong and uh you know you know gung-ho and ready to, to, to get things done uh i think you know the biggest thing is they should have addressed something defensively they could have got a more defensive minded head coach that's just my personal opinion but again I'm not the one to make the decisions. i just, I just looking at it, just looking at it, just, you know, it's like, hmm. You know, Darvin Ham may bring some slight improvements to them offensively, uh, but really they were lacking defensively, and that was their real issue. Uh, Nobody was playing defense on that team. And I don't think, you know, at this point in LeBron's career, I don't think he'll be playing that great a defense. Neither will uh, Russell Westbrook, and for what it's worth, outside of maybe rim protecting AD has never been known as a great defender. So it is what it is. Uh, We obviously are seeing what's making teams, successful there seems to be this balance of you know there is some lights out shooting there is some great scores Look at golden state in boston uh for example you have your steph curries who is going to shoot the lights out you have clay thompson who can help out in that department of course with boston you have uh jason tatum and Jalen brown and but again remember you have defensive stalwarts and and you know things that make the defensive uh, side of the of the ball pop with these teams as well. Remember, uh, we have Draymond Green, who's a first, uh, de, you know, def, uh, sorry, a first team All Defense, and remember, Marcus Smart for for Boston is a uh, Defensive Player of the Year. He is the Defensive Defensive Player of the Year, the reigning, uh, going into this uh, going into this next season. So think about that, uh, you know, Lakers fans. Think about that, Laker Nation. You know offensive-minded coach cool uh, again he seems to be a strong-willed guy somebody that's gonna you know control uh, certain egos that might be true uh, but again your issue was defense can he address that let's hope so all right y'all let's go we're gonna take a quick break well i'm gonna take a quick break and when i get back i'm gonna be breaking down the mlb of course i wanted to update y'all on what's going on pretty much from the Not too much news going on, but in terms of scores and stats, I wanted to update update y'all on what's going on heading into the weekend. And of course, I wanted to wrap things up with my palm for the review. So we have a bit to go, and I'll be right back. All right, y'all. I'm back. We are gonna break down Major League Baseball. Of course, we are headed into the weekend. Friday, uh, we are getting into probably their early morning action on the East Coast. Uh, so uh, we're just gonna kind of break down the scores from Thursday. Also, want to get through the standings and, like I mentioned before, the top ten players in the league uh, offensively according to their OPS, and also the top ten pitchers in the league according to their ERA. So let's get into it. It's gonna be a little bit deep in this one. A little media in this segment so let's get into the scores from last night first things first we have the Chicago White Sox taking a loss to the Blue Jays 3-8, 3-8, we have the Rays out there in, from Tampa Bay getting it done against the Rangers, 3-1. We have the Tigers, I believe they sweep this series here against, this twin, uh, against the Twins, another upset win here, 3-2 is the final score. For the Twins, they are 30-23 and 23 on the year. Uh, for the Tigers, they move to 21-30 and 30 still at the bottom of the pack of their division. But again, uh, upset win against the division leader, is not a bad way to go into the weekend for the twins left fielder nick gordon and also third baseman Gio or shell excuse me but both have two rbi uh two rbis each uh but the problem here is overall the Twins would go zero for eight with runners in scoring position. Not good when you wanna get it, when you wanna get the job done and you in a really uh, you know low scoring game like this. Every run counts. When you got them in scoring position, you just gotta bring them home. It is what it is. On the mound, pitch, uh, pitcher Chris Archer, excuse me, uh, would get the start. Uh, he would go for five innings, gave up three hits and one run. He also would have three strikeouts, uh, but Emilio Pagan uh, was ch- uh, was charged with the loss His second of the year, he's currently one and two. He also was uh, charged a blown save his third of the year. So he had a chance to close things out for the Twins, but it didn't, it didn't, it wasn't meant to be. (laughs) For the Tigers, uh, center feeder Daz Cameron would have two RBIs. Jonathan Shoup, a veteran in the league, uh, will bring in the RBI as well. And Alex Lange will get the win on the mound. His third one of the year. He's currently three and one. The Yankees and the Angels will have a double header. And like I said, every time I seem to check in on the MLB, it just seems like the uh the Angels are just struggling. Uh this is uh, no uh, no different. Uh the Yankees uh take the win in game one, six to one, and they would also get the win in game two, two, I believe it was two to uh 2-1. And uh, for the Angels, Kurt, uh, Kurt Suzuki would bring in the team's only one, uh, the only run for the team, the only RBI uh, for that matter. And pitcher Oliver Ortega will take the loss here. He's currently 1-2 on the season. For the Yankees, Anthony Rizzo would bring in two RBIs. And on the mound, Jamison Tallien would get the win. 6-1 uh, on the year. He went for about 8 innings of work, giving up just 2 hits, one a run, but he would also have 5 strikeouts. And Craig Holmes would get the save for the Yankees, his 7th of the year now we're gonna move on Uh, we have uh, the Nationals they get it done against the Reds eight to one two of the bottom feeders uh, right now who cares about this matchup both teams only got 18 wins we know what the deal is Uh, the Giants they get an upset loss here actually they get upset here uh, by the Marlins here they were blanked 0-3. The Giants, they are 27-23 going into the weekend. The Mullins are 21-28 and 28. for the Giants. They would only get three total hits last night. Uh, zero for three with runners in scoring position. Five runners left on base. Again, that's how you end up with just zero runs. It's just, it's, it's what it is. But also indicative of the, of the Giants this season. You know, just uh, poor pitching work. You know, uh, Alex. Uh, Alex will will get the start. He takes the L in this one. Three and four so far. Uh, and in terms of his, in terms of his starts on the mound, five innings of work, four hits, two runs he gave up, two walks as well. He would have five strikeouts, but who really cares? Giants. Mm, We're gonna talk more about y'all when we get to the standings. But um, yeah, it is what it is. Y'all look a little bit boo boo this year. A little bit uh, underwhelming. It's like a steak. That just uh, You you went to this restaurant You waited all week You know yo, You took your girl out And you're like Oh we're gonna have this Great dinner You know You used to this restaurant That have been doing You so good for so many years And then just one night You go up in there You just get this uh, This whack ass steak just, And you're just like or it's just not just super whack, but it's just like, you know, it's just like, mm, this ain't y'all's normal standard. Like, you missing something. It's just, y'all missing something this year. Just being real. But for the Marlins, first baseman, Jesus Aguilar, Also, uh, shortstop, Miguel Rojas. Yeah, I can pronounce that. Miguel Rojas. Yeah. And uh, catcher, Jacob Stones, would all get RBIs. Oh, man, here's my favorite name, though. On the mound. Sandy. Alcantara, man, I like saying the name. Sunday, Sunday, all oh, man. Uh, anyways, he gets the win, six to two on the year, seven innings of work, three hits, only actually gave up no runs. A really solid game from him as a top ten pitcher of the league. We'll get to him in a little bit later. Uh, the Mariners they get it done in ten innings against the Orioles, seven to six. The Brewers they get a win against the Padres. Five to four, the Cardinals. Uh, they get a. They. Oh, sorry. They take a loss here to the Cubs. Five to seven, and the Rockies. Uh, they get a loss. They take a loss here. Uh, Thirteen to six. They get blown out by the uh, by the Braves. So again, the Rockies. I don't know. I don't know what to tell y'all. Right, Coors Field, Boors Field. I'm bored. It. Whatever goes on there, it bores me. Yep, I said it. And we end up the night. With the Mets, the highlight matchup, the marquee matchup, the Mets get blanked by the Dodgers, 0-2. to two. What the fuck, Mets? What the fuck? I'm just playing. The Dodgers have a pretty damn good team. It is what it is. Uh, again, like I said, final score two zip in favor of the Dodgers. Uh, the Mets are 35 eight and 18 on the year. The Dodgers improved to 34 and 17. For the Mets, they would get three total hits, but they were zero and two with runners in scoring position, four runners left on base. Again, the Dodgers get it done. The pitcher Tywon Walker takes the loss in this one. Three and one on the year. Five innings of work, he gave up seven hits, two earned runs, two strikeouts, just ain't gonna get it done. And the Dodgers, Mookie Betts and Justin Turner were bringing some RBIs and on the mound, another top 10 pitcher in the league, Tony Gosselin will get the win, 6-0 and on the year, six innings of work, uh, two hits zero earned runs five strikeouts and K- uh, Craig Kimbrell excuse me we get to save ele- his 11th of the season so far now let's move on to the standings to the American League and starting off in the east we have the Yankees on top 35 and 18 seven and three in the last 10 three wins in a row they are currently 11 and five against teams above 500 the blue Jays are 30 and 25 and a half games back eight and two in the last 10 eight straight W's for them the Rays are Uh, slightly behind them again same uh, kind of positioning um, behind the Yankees six games back back back-to-back wins for them at 30 and 21 the Red Sox again struggling still below 512 games back in the East at 24 and 27 and the Orioles are in last place but they playing. they've been playing okay recently they're four and six in the last 10 15 games back again They're just kind of just around it is it is what it is for them and uh, we go to the central with the twins they are 30 and 23 three and seven in the last ten so they're on a downturn three straight losses and they are also two and six against above 500 teams so look out for that if they are to make it to the playoff uh but anyway we have the we have the guardians here oh sorry the uh yes the guardians here at 22 and 24 four and a half games back Five and five, five and five in the last ten, but they're riding a three-game winning streak. We have the Chicago White Sox here in third place in the Central Division, 23 and 26, four and six in the last ten, three straight losses. Again, they not like they were last year. You know, it's just year. Every year is different. Every year is different. You can't make your. You cannot really make your expectations truly based on next year. Too. You gotta. I don't know. You gotta watch this. You gotta watch this shit as it goes on, and that's with any sport. That's my opinion. The Tigers and the Royals make up the bottom of uh, the bottom lags of this uh, division here. The Tigers are 21 and 23. The Royals are 16 and 33. Tw- uh, sorry, 12 games back, two and eight in the last ten. Four losses in a row. Ain't nothing coming back from that. Let's just kind of let's just kind of X them right now. I'm just saying. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Make fun of that, but I doubt it. Let's go to the West. The Astros are on top, of course. 33 and 18. This hasn't changed. Seven and three in the last, uh, in their last ten. Four straight Ws. Again, those are things you want to look for. What is their record in the last ten? You know, what is their winning streak looking like? Particularly, you know, in a long ass season like this. Again, uh, Astros consistently. You know, six and four, seven and three in the last ten. You know, always winning two, three games in a row. When I look in, when I check in on them, again. You know they're still they're still the team to beat in the AL, at least in their division. The Angels are 27 and 25 again. Always a team when I'm when I'm checking in on them. They always seem to be struggling. Uh, 27 and 25, uh, six and a half games back in the division. Two and eight in the last ten. Eight losses in a row. I don't know. I, you can't make this up. The Rangers are 24, and that's with Shie Otani, Mike Trout. And I do forgot they didn't brought in a couple people in the offseason, but I can't remember. But again. Overrated. Always talking about the Angels. They always in the. They always a dark horse for somebody. Why? Why? Why are they always somebody's dark horse? But again, I went with Seattle. Ha ha. Laugh at me. <laughs> Nobody had the Astros. I don't think anybody had. No, there's a few people that had the Astros still winning this division. Never mind. I take that back. Speaking of the Mariners, third place. 22 and 29. And of course, my A's. Again, I got a project on them. We're going to be, I'm, this ain't over. I'm going to talk more about them before the season is over. I'm just going to be honest with y'all. 23, 20 and 33, 14 games back. I will be going to an A's game in the next month or so. So, this is going to be interesting. Yeah, I'm going to be going to a couple. Because, again, like I told you, I don't know. I don't know where they're going to be at the next couple of years. Anyways, 3-7 and seven in the last 10. Again, it's been a, it's been a struggle. Three straight losses. Uh, what can you say? Yeah. Anyway, so let's go to the National League uh, Starting in the East Division Of course, the Mets are still on top 35-18, and 7-3 in the last 10 Plus seventy-five run differential, the third best in Major League Baseball, and they are eleven and five against above five hundred teams. That is probably the most significant uh, stat for them, in my opinion. The Braves are right, well, not right behind them. They are a few. They are quite a bit behind them. Nine, and f- nine and a half games back. Twenty-five and twenty-seven. Six and four in the last ten. They are right in a two-game winning streak, though. But they have a negative three-run differential. Just to kind of let y'all know the difference between first and second. At least in the at least let's go to the Phillies. They are 22 and 29, 12 games back, uh, 3 and 7 in the last 10. The Marlins, same kind of trajectory downward, 12, 12 games back for them, 21 and 28. And the Nationals, 18 and 35, 17 games back, four straight losses, a negative 83 run differential, the worst in all of baseball. Let's go to the Central where the Brewers are on top, 33 and 26 and four in the last 10. The Cardinals are three games behind them, though. You know how the Cardinals like to surge in the latter half of the season, so we'll have to, at we'll particularly in August. So we'll have to see what happens. 29 and 22, three games, six and four in the last 10. We have the Pirates here, 22 and 27, nine games back, six and four in the last 10. Three wins in a row, so they've been playing better recently. Uh, but I don't know what to make of them. I don't see them really doing a whole lot in this division, just to be honest. Though uh, the Cubs are twenty-two and twenty-nine, a surprise for me. Uh, we have the Reds here at eighteen and thirty-two. Again, not a lot to uh, write home about right now. Thirteen and a half games back, six and four in the last ten, uh, but they have been playing better recently since a Jock Peterson Tommy fan fight again who know who knew uh they also played pretty well they did almost sweep the giants they won two out of three against the giants last weekend so uh they've been playing pretty solid uh let's move on to the west we have the dodgers here at 34 and 17 6 and 4 in the last 10 7 and 1 against teams above 500 who's beating them not a whole lot of anybody. Uh, plus a uh, plus one fourteen run differential, the best in Major League be- Baseball. Again, ain't nobody beating this team too much. Uh, the Padres are thirty and twenty-one, four games back from them. Three and seven in the last 10. Four losses in a row. Six and ten versus teams above five hundred. I don't buy this team to be honest. I'm just gonna be honest with you. I'm not buying it. I'm not buying the Padres. The Giants. We talked about them. They've been slipping a little bit. Six and a half games back at twenty-seven and twenty-three. Five and five in the last. 10 back back-to-back losses. However, uh, like last year, they, when they were striving against teams above 500, they're struggling. Uh, they uh, they don't look so good this year either. Uh, you know, step back. Uh, they are currently nine and fourteen against teams above 500. So, um, a lot of a lot of surprises for me this year. Uh, finally, rounding out the NL West, we have the D- Diamondbacks at 25 and 27. 4 and 6 in the last 10 and the Rockies are 23 and 20, uh, 29, excuse me, 11 games back, 4 and 6 in the last 10. Let's go ahead and move on to my top 10 players in the league so far. This is, of course a According to their OPS, uh, our top 10 batters, of course, uh, we have at number one, Paul Goldschmidt of the Cardinals, 1.042 OPS. His stat line reads as follows, 349 average, which is third in the league or third in baseball, uh, second in all-base percentage at 423. He also has a, he's also third in slugging at a six. 6- 619, 11 home runs, 44 uh, RBIs this year. He's also second in doubles. Moving on, we have Aaron Judge of the Yankees, 1.033 OPS for him. 303 average, 374 on base, 659 slugging percentage, which leads the major leagues. 19 home runs also uh, also leads the majors. He's also seventh in RBIs with 39. Let's move on to Jose Ramirez of the Guardians. 1.025 1.025 OPS. Uh, he has a slugging percentage of a 632 with 13 home runs. He's also first in RBIs with 52. He also has the most triples so far this season with four. Let's move on to Mike Trout. Of course, we mentioned his squad struggling a little bit, but he's not struggling offensively. Uh, 1.009 OPS. Uh, 13 home runs, 28 RBIs. Second in slugging percentage with a 632. Let's move on to another LA uh LA baller uh, but this time for the other team the Dodgers we have Mookie Betts here uh, slightly lower OPS with a 1.008 310 average 394 on base 614 slugging uh, 16 home runs that is second in the major leagues and also 36 RBI so I believe he's around top 10 around top 10 in that uh, department as well he also has 61 total hits on the year which puts him at fifth behind him we have manny machado a little bit well sub uh, sub 980 ops 979 here uh 346 batting average that is fifth we have a 422 on base for him and a 557 uh slugging percentage with eight home runs 28 RBIs, and behind him we have uh, JD Martinez of the Red Sox. 974 OPS for him. He's leading the majors with his batting average with a 360, and he's also has five home runs, 23 RBIs, and his 59 home runs are 10th in the major leagues as well. His teammate Rafael Devers uh, is around 8th. Uh, he has a 970, I think. I'm oh, sorry, uh, JD Martinez has a 977 OPS. Devers has a 974 OPS with a 341 batting average, 603 slugging percentage, 11 home runs, 26 RBIs. He leads the major leagues with hits 72 and also doubles with 21. Let's move on to Bryce Harper of the Phillies. Uh, he has a 943 OPS, also 10 home runs, 32 RBIs. He's also fourth in doubles. And finally bringing out the rounding out the top 10. Uh, we have Jordan Alvarez of the Astros, 941 OPS, 272 batting average, 367 on base, 574. Uh, in terms of his slugging, fourteen home runs on the year. That is third in uh, third in baseball. He also has thirty-one RBIs. So let's go ahead and look at the top ten pitchers of the league, of course, according to their ERA. First up, we have Martin Perez of the Rangers, one forty-two ERA, four and two win-loss record. He's ninth in terms of his batting average that he's allowing uh, at a two hundred. He's also tenth in terms of WHIP, of course, the walks and, and hits. He allows at a zero point nine three. Behind him we have a we have Nestor Cortez of the Yankees, one point five O ERA 5-1 5-1 win-loss records. He's almost, he's nearly top 10 in terms of his strikeouts. 68 right now. He's also 4th in his whip. 0.87. We mentioned him before. We have Tony Gosson up next for the Dodgers. 1.59 ERA. 6-0 in his start so far this year. 5th in whip with a 0.88. He has lowest batting average allowed at a 159 so far. Up next, like I mentioned my favorite name in baseball right now, Sandy Alcantara of the Marlins, 1.81 ERA, 6-2 in his uh, start so far this year. He's currently 7th in strikeouts with 71. Behind him, we have his uh, rotation partner out there in Miami, Pablo Pablo Lopez with a 1.83 ERA. Up next, we have Joe Musgrove of Joe Musgrove excuse me of the Padres hometown kid 187 era right now and up behind him we have Corbin Corbin excuse me Corbin burns of the Brewers 1.95 era one of my uh, favorite pitchers in this modern era uh second in whip 0.80 zero point eight two he's also third in strikeouts with 78. Uh, behind him we have Alec Manoa 1.98 ERA six and one in his start so far this year he currently is a top ten is in his whip eighth to be exact 0.93 and finally in the top 10 to round out the top 10 here we have Shane McClanahan uh currently two here currently is boasting a 201 ERA five and two uh win and loss uh record so far and he has the most K's in the major leagues right now with eighty one and I'm sorry one more pitcher here we have Tariq Scuba the Tigers two point one five ERA Four and two so far in his wins and losses at, his, at in his starts so far. All right, y'all. I'm gonna take one last quick break and we come back. I have an upon review, uh, upon further review segment. I'll be breaking down the D Day uh, mixtape, uh, of course. J Cole and Dreamville, and of course I'll be breaking down uh, Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. It's gonna be a double edition. So I'll be right back, y'all. I hope you're enjoying this so far. From a city that don't see the sun, either you a sinner or a citizen Niggas ain't running, they getting guns or a chopper that's little as Big Sean on the block with that Barry Buns. I was with Barry from Simpson. Stocking buns, talking funds, clocking money. The game of jungle. We playing Jamunji. I'm in Jamaica, jit playing rugby. Stand in my van, stand Van Gundy. Stand on my plan, plant on my stands. Man of my word. Word up, my man. Heard I got word. Word what you serve. Oh, verse by verse. My verb like perk. I slow it down. Damn, my verse like serve. I like the sound. Gun rounds on mother earth. With a little pump, you get smoke like perk. Get a nigga jump, don't fuck up my shirt. Nigga JID stand for jumped in dirt. When the West and Squirt, it does wonder works you with the monsters in the under-earth. um bitch alright y'all we back we're gonna wrap this up for today and of course like I said I got a double shot for y'all and it's upon further review segment uh of course uh we have D-Day the Gangster Grills mixtape by Dreamville And, of course, uh, Mr. Morale. Let's go ahead and get into it with the Dreamville review. Excuse me. And, uh, you know, it's 15 solid tracks, in my opinion. Uh, Well, uh, just about all of them are solid. Uh, First track here is called Stick. We have, of course, members of the squad here, J.I.D. featuring Kenny Mason, Sheik, and uh, Sheik West, as well as J. Cole. Uh, I think uh, the Beat is Fire And every rap album needs a song or two About capping motherfuckers It's just what it is Uh, Just about every rap album Not every one But you got either a whole song Or every song mentioned just about it (laughs) It's just what it is Uh, It just starts to pick up In my opinion It starts to pick up around verse 3 the J.I.D. and Kenny Mason. I like these bars right here. I'm on Chandler Road with a chopper from Columbine creeping up on a cracker trying to colonize. I think that was J.I.D. Yeah. Definitely liked his flow. I loved his livery throughout this song. Not only on this song, uh, but on some others as well. We'll get into it in just a little bit, but it starts off with that. J. Cole closes the show with a better verse lyrically, uh, but not overall than everybody else. I think that was uh, given to J.I.D. I, I think J.I.D. had the best verse, uh, in terms of just delivery, flow, just in general. But of course, J Cole spits his lyrics. He's that's what he is. Uh, this is my favorite bar. They clutching. You best get the ducking like six seven niggas from Oregon. Money so long in the south and uh, money so long. If I started in the south and spread it, spread the shit out, it'd be touching like Portland. I thought those lines were raw. Again, I didn't give him no justice. My bad, bro. I didn't. <laughs> I'm not in my rapping mode right now. I'm sorry, but <laughs> um, you get the picture. The six, seven niggas from Oregon bar just was like, oh, my God. just And then I used to live out there, too. So, I like, ah, oh, okay. All right, all right. And I fucks with Oregon. So, it's like the, the sports, all the sports teams there. So, I was like, ah, oh, shit. You know, that's hella dope. That's hella funny. But anyways, uh, second track uh, second uh, track on the uh, the the mixtape uh, is God's uh, sorry, Ghetto Gods, Earth Gang featuring Two Chains. Um, I like Two Chains' verse to say the least. Uh, Earth Gang did a pretty solid job on this one as well. Uh, up next we have ba- uh, Bass uh, with his track Lifestyle uh, featuring ASAP Berg. I definitely, excuse me, I definitely like the chorus. Never let a wishbone grow where your backbone should. Uh, it- it's it's self-explanatory, and I get it. I loved it. Uh, I've actually played that one. I played that one back to back when I first heard it, and the, actually on the second playthrough as well. Had to just look at those bars, look at those lyrics. Uh, they're pretty much on point. Starting five was the next tracked up. Track up. Excuse me. With loot. Featuring Kaz and Omen. Again, another dope ass chorus. This mixtape had a lot of those. Um, up next, we have Coming Down by Ari Lennox. I think she's a decent singer, but that was not a great song to sample for her, especially for the lyrics that she's using. Uh, pretty much talking about the. Uh, i guess her you know, lover who's who's on the pills who's on that it just does it just doesn't sound like it was just real wit- written it just the lyrics are just too just surface and just too on the head no real nuance that's just kind of what i get but her voice is pretty cool uh it's pretty it's pretty solid for what it is it's, it's just the, the the lyrics to her songs don't really be doing nothing for me up next we have Cause G Perico and Reason in Hair Salon another dope, well written, uh, descriptive chorus and it was properly spit by G Perico. That was the big selling point from he for me. Cause uh, he really spit well on his verses as well. G Perico same thing. I looked, I liked everybody on the track, uh, but just that chorus uh, just just did it for me. Up next we have a solo track by J Cole Freedom again. He's just dropping bars like yo. Always do. Uh, up next, we have Blackberry Sap by Ari Lennox. Again, I think she's a decent singer. I just think she needs a better songwriter, or she needs to learn to do that on her own. Uh, because again, just her lyrics just leave a lot more to be desired. Her voice is great. It's her lyrics that I don't necessarily i don't i don't vibe with so it doesn't give me the whole package that i'm looking for with a singer uh but up next we have like wine by luke uh, again we have some solid bars over a nice melodic beat niggas tweeting like they know my plate we've been eating just not in your face i ain't the type uh, just you just mad you ain't at the table to take a bite if it's fight or flight i'll take a life I like those bars. They go together, they flow. Of course, you know, it's it's just it's just a real solid album. I feel like everybody uh, who's a, a member of this group they are definitely well represented in the songs they chose great beats to capture their flow to capture they who you know who who they are um inevitably um and and i, I think it is these are these are really uh great songs a lot of them with really great uh, bars up next we have josie flows boss and earth uh, Earth gang and this one uh johnny venus of earth gang's verse was the highlight for me again just Oh, man. I like, on top of everything else, I like the way these guys just sound. The sound is just sononically there. And just, you know, again, from the voices to what they're actually saying in the beats, it all goes together. Up next, we have another dope ass beat, another jo- dope ass verse from uh, Two Chains, JID. Uh, didn't do so bad as well. We have Barry from Sensen again, another pretty good charge track uh jid with his flow you know and just what he be on i i like it. it 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 seems original for me as original as you gonna get from us from these guys up next we have i will say the uh the third weakest song in my opinion so there's three songs that i just can't rock with and they're obvious as you can tell both are ari Lennox songs just because again just songwriting. And everybody ain't shit i just think they kind of missed the mark with this one in terms of the songwriting too uh the chorus was a little bit too repetitive not a whole lot of meat there not a lot of you know to 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 pick anything off from uh but you know it is what it is earth gang did that one up next one of my big uh one of my favorites of the uh, the EP, or sorry, the EP of the mixtape. Uh, definitely balling in Newport by Omen. This is a self-reflective track talking about his love for music and what got him into it. His family connections with music and being somebody who has connections with family and music and the music uh into music as well and just growing up with it and feeling that same i felt that connection with him uh throughout that song so i definitely love that song as well that's definitely my favorite big trouble is next by cars again a great spit out of the west coast i like his style i like his delivery uh he has a lot going for him um i don't think this song was as good uh as uh hair salon was for me but again, a good showcase of his talents, nonetheless. And finally, we have Evan's, uh, Heaven's AP, of course, another uh, solo track by uh, J-, J. Cole to kind of seal the deal with everything and put his stamp on it. You know, definitely just another track where he's just spazzing. He's just kind of going off again, uh, just like with Freedom. Uh, you know without you know the other uh, appearances i would guess but you know just kind of just him and uh again you know you can't take away anything away from this man uh he definitely is re- uh, self uh going into some introspective as well just about his placement in the game he mentioned that he is third and when i heard him say that or that he might feel that way or he feels like the, the crowd you know puts him there or the fans put him in that uh, realm and when he kind of said that it kind of uh you know, made me think as to why as a fan of whether it be sports or, you know, music, you know, rap and all this, why I don't have a goat and I don't believe in the concept of a a goat. I believe in the concept of a pantheon where all these guys are accepted for who they are once they reach that status, you know, because to kind of hear him say, I feel like Put me here, or and then again, I, again, that's not exactly how he's saying it, but that's how it's coming off. It's just like, nah, man, you know, it's not about being first or third between you and Drake, and it's almost like a double edged sword because I remember having a conversation with an OG, and uh, I, I kind of told him, you know, kind of nonchalantly. I didn't, I, you know, I was, I was into the conversation, but I kind of was just. I, you know, now that I look back on it, I kind of was maybe you know uh, I didn't give I didn't give it my just my just due and my due diligence really with it, and I kind of said you know there is no real goat in this era because they nobody's really solidified that or try to you know distinguish themselves as that, and you know and when, and when I say this that is you know taking into account that Kendrick who we'll talk about in just a second years ago put out that control verse which called out everybody. And mind you, you know, with that verse being dropped, I know it was a great verse, and it was it was earth shattering, uh, and and the and 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 I thought it was, but the, the problem is nobody responded to it. At least nobody on you know the mainstream level. And you had people like Papoose respond, and the Joel Ortizes respond. People who you know who are great MCs, and mind you if you hear those responses to 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 you know kendrick you oh man you it'll blow your mind but you know because they're not mainstream you don't have you know nobody you know to really you know they're not they're not being pushed like that so you know it would have been a great place for somebody like a j cole or big sean to step up and say hey hey man who's to say you all this and you all that you know you know so you 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 see a, a situation where a rapper calls people out and nobody says anything. So, you know, on the surface you know it seems like yeah nobody wants to take the man on nobody you know is is really pushing it like that but in reality i think they're all acceptive, receptive of each other and accepting of each other in reality and they understand that they all kind of have their niche and they found their way to be successful and they kind of just sit there and say y'all do what you do you do what you do and you become successful and i'm actually proud of you they give each other their flowers in this generation uh you know even the gangster rappers you know they're gonna let the backpackers do they thing you know in this in this in this Era, they're not gonna trip about oh you ain't this and you ain't that they don't even collab with each other you know and these are beautiful things to see and so again this is why i you know my bad for giving the og not the not the greatest of answers now that i look back on it but to kind of go back to that point you know i think they all are great and they and they want to coexist with each other And they want to make things right with each other. They don't need the extra beef because they're going to make money regardless because they are good artists. So they don't need to beef with each other. They don't need to say, well, I'm better than this guy. I'm better than that guy because they have droves of fans. You know, and and it all depends on what you want to consider to be, you know, true hip hop or what really is the barometer of what makes you a good MC. You know, because at all, at some point, a lot of these upper echelon guys are MCs. They're not just rappers anymore. They are masters of the ceremony. Even with what I do, I would I consider myself or want to be in the echelon of an MC, the master of the ceremony, somebody who can control the elements of what's going on with the voice, and it could consist of rapping. It could consist of you being the host of something. You know what I'm saying? It all it's all of that. But all these guys have made it to that echelon of an MC. For example, even if we Just to give you an example of outside of rap, Dave Chappelle, uh, you know, Chris Rock, MCs of what they do, MCs of comedy, uh, you know, the Kings of comedy, MCs, masters of that ceremony. They control that stage, that, and that goes all the way back to our roots in Africa. Where there would be that man or that woman who would control those rituals and control those rites of passage and those, uh, these, you know, these artistic expressions and these spiritual expressions of the community. You know what I'm saying? These are all, all, we are all offshoots of that. We are all embodying those things. We take up those mantles. So it's all about what you define as what you would call successful. Do you want to go with the massive appeal and the massive success in terms of sales that Drake has? Do you want to have the poet laureate type of feel and the, uh, the academic or even, you know, the academic respect that Kendrick Lamar has in the community uh, pushing that Kendrick Lamar has? Or do you want to have, you know, these broad concepts or, you know, in general, like, you know, j cole has you could have pick a pick from all that and be all three in your own way you know because in reality it's also you know is it record sales is it you know your ability or is it like rakim said do you move the crowd and at the end of the day guess what y'all all All these brothers are at the top of the top even you know the 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 drill brothers some of them they move the crowd they the people feel the energy they want to react to that you cannot take from that Whether it's hotline bling, whether it's, you know, humble, whether it's crooked smile, they are moving the crowd. They've moved the generation. They're help molding what we would consider to be our culture. We are we have to create our culture based on what we've learned about where we came from, where we're going, where we're trying to go with this. It is what it is. So let's get into you know, your boy, Kendrick. On that note, let's get into Kendrick. Let's talk about Mr. Morale and the big steppers. And he's certainly a big stepper. And a lot of you guys, the next and sees in the future, are going to have some big shoes to fill. Let's just get into it. Let's start it off with the United of Grief track. Uh, amazing intro. I hope you find peace of mind he describes his seek of stability and his counseling etc and again it's about him trying to find his way he lets you know from the beginning i've been going through shit this is why this album has taken so long so you have to respect that i love it when they're honest about it Uh, i love the breakdown between the beat and between you know chorus and all that also there's that deep melodic piano in there great track up next we have n 95 I'm pretty sure you guys. Uh, this is a lot of. Uh, this is a, a, a favorite track to a lot of you guys. Not necessarily mine. And uh, this is one of those tracks where I feel like when I've mentioned in the past that Kendrick Lamar can be pretentious. This is kind of one of those ones. I know everybody else loves it. Uh, I will say this. I like the bars. These these bars here. Let's think about this for a second. What would tell me what would you do for aesthetic? Would you sell your soul on credit? Would you sell? Your bro for leverage. I thought those bars were cool. Uh, I thought mentioning the streams and all these different things like memes and all that. I think that was cool. But let's be real here. He gets streamed. He's a part of meme culture as well. Let's get on beyond that. You know who are we calling out here? Who are we being critical of? You are part of the same movement. These part of the same mainstream. Let's be honest. You just talk about different shit. Let's be real, Kendrick. I'm just saying. Let's move on. Uh, we got Worldwide Steppers. Uh, I thought the beginning of this track was crazy because I feel like he's shooting out white women. And I'm like, what's up with y'all brothers and y'all thing? Either you like them or you not, get over it. You fuck them or you don't. It's not really a big deal anymore. We get it. You know It's about your reasoning Do you think that they More better than black women And that's something That you gotta deal with But if you just doing Your thing And all that You are not racist And all that Y'all put too much on it Let it go It's a part of life If you don't like them You don't like them If you do You do You ain't special now, he also does a good job of describing interpersonal relationships and the struggles that we have, uh, maintaining them and just kind of developing them and the drama that goes on in that. So he goes into some deep, uh, really not-surface shit. Like, he's really going past the, you know, superficial. He's just trying to do it in his best way. And I got to give him all props in the world for that. Up next, we have um, Die Hard featuring Blistis, uh Blixis, sorry, or Blast and Amanda Reifer. The chorus is solid. Blix and Rifer work well in terms of how they sound on that chorus. They sound good, they work together really well. Uh, you know, and it's a really positive chorus and they, and it has a good it has a good bounce to it. I hope you see the god in me and you bounce into it and it's a good feel good track. Uh, one of the it's one of the few in this album to be honest, which not because the album was bad, but it was just you know a little bit, you know on the down, you know the downbeat, you know what I mean. Father time is up next. He's uh, featuring Sampa on this one. Uh, this gives a perspective of actually, you know, gives some perspective about his life and his you know role, you know his the role of his father in my in his life. And what it did for me was bring some perspective for me, uh, to me as well. It made me grateful that I've had great relationships or, uh, you know, building relationship with my dad and my grandfathers. It made me blessed that I had those positive experiences with them. And, you know, I didn't have to, you know, go. It was serious, but again, there was also a place that I could be vulnerable with them as well and and shed tears and, and cry and be emotional. So I'm grateful for that. When I hear that somebody else didn't have those uh, same abilities and same experiences, and I feel, I feel a way for him. I do. I truly do. Uh, moving on, we have Rich Spirit. Uh, I like the bars. The Aloof Buddha, Jesus Christ with his shooter. He's just going in again. Another good chorus in this song. Up next, we have probably uh, the most controversial track in my opinion. We got Taylor Page on this one. We cry together. Uh, You know, I I think of this one as nagging by the Yin yin Yang twins, but on a downer. Like, it's just, I I totally get it. We deal with our relationship dramas, particularly with black men and women. And there's a lot of drama and they touched up on a lot of different uh, subjects and all that uh, and at the end they just kind of went into the, the fucking mode and you know like Pimp C said all we do is fucking fight and you know that's that's uh toxic <coughs> just keeping it real up next we have Purple Hearts featuring Summer Walker and Ghostface Killer I think uh, Ghostface Killer the OG stole the show I'm just going to keep it like that up next we have Count Me Out up next we have uh, after that we have Crown uh, this one takes a different approach he's pretty much singing on this one he has a pretty di- a pretty damn good voice uh the the uh ensemble that he has with him uh is is doing a good job again it's a really low back low key track he takes a very uh you know passive mode in terms of you know not he's he's not spitting as aggressively he's you know damn near singing uh, but a really solid song here. Up next, we have Kodak Black. A really solid appearance by him. I liked his verse. Uh, the hook is fire, but that's been the case in this whole album so far. Uh, like I said, Black's verse, pretty damn good. Uh, the One of the bigger tracks, I like this one. Um, this one's pretty good. We have Savior featuring Baby Keen and Sam Du. Uh, he's spinning these bars like... Yo, Tupac's dead. You gotta think for yourself. Yeah, heroes looking for the villains to help. So he's just describing how signs is going crazy. Uh, you know, it, 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 it. You know, I like where he's coming from. He goes, I rubbed elbows with people who was for the people. They all agree. I don't care for public speaking. You know, he's just kind of describing those. Um, ah, what's the word here? Ah. Uh, the uh, the fallacies you know that that's being put out here you know by the fake liberals the fake woke he's mentioned that he's you know Garnick is a counter culture a council culture a couple of times in his album as well so again he's he's hitting all the marks in this one uh, near the end we have Auntie's Diary again another self reflective track where he's describing Uh, pretty much his experiences with l you know with the lbgt members of his family and just kind of describing the negativity he had to grow up with and having to navigate his way on how to accept those people and for those of you who've had who've had to deal with that and had similar situations like myself you know you understand where he's coming from uh we have mr morale behind that again another feel good track he's you know again, trying to establish itself away from these uh, other rappers. Of course, another another way he's doing that in S track. And then finally, uh, Mother I Sober, this uh, features Death Gibbons, a Porta Shed, very powerful song. Um, one of the strongest uh, in terms of just how deep it gets and just emotions that I've heard in a, a hip hop song in a very long time, uh, just dealing with abuse and letting those things go. And when he says, I release you, those things mean a lot. Again, uh, some of the things that he's talking about, I, you know, have experienced on one way or another, either one way, you know, the positive way or the negative way. And uh, so uh, this one, I totally get it. I felt that message. You know, it's it takes a lot of work to get over those traumas in your past and to forgive and to move on sometimes. You know the lot that I've had to deal with in terms of closing that those traumas off and trying to move on and and finding the right resources, and you know it seems that he's he's had that too and he's human and it's good to see that you know these people are human. He's definitely more relatable than he's ever been to me in this album. I've I've previously in the past said he's has been you know uh, pretentious he's you know he's wanted to sound He sometimes he'll come off as Nas to me and I'm a fan of Nas too but sometimes they just say you know they're just too good for their you know too good for their own good or just you know not there all the way uh but this one I felt it and I uh, and I and I can sit there and say when I look when I listen to the rest when his older albums I can sit there and, and know that I'll have a different perspective when I listen to those as well but both for these projects Dreamville and Mr. Morale the big and the big steppers both get an A for me uh they are Damn near perfect projects. I'm gonna both give them 10 out of 10. If it was the sorts, I give them five mics. You know what it is. This, this is these are both true hip hop albums. Uh, you know, particularly in particularly in the, in the shape that we got right now with rappers and what's going on. It's good to hear. It's good to hear some real shit again all right y'all i'm gonna uh leave the links for my podcast of course uh sorry my youtube channel available for you guys in the link as far as what i have going on in the future like i mentioned before i have a project going on for the A's, just kind of their status in oakland what's up with them you know where they're looking at in the terms of this point in the season and just an overall perspective and just what i you know my memories of this team going into you know the purgatory that is who knows what's going to happen to them also in terms of the podcast there are some uh national uh, news stories that I wanted to cover, Uh, a couple more shootings unfortunately, also some uh, passing, some sad news in the NFL community as well and also some new stories coming out about coming out about Deshaun Watson. That's kind of made me look at him in a different way. And it's still kind of like uh, lingering right now. So we wanted to address that. And of course, baseball, we in the midst of that. And of course, NBA finals. So there's a lot to get through as time goes on. But I will be back uh, as soon as I can. If you, if anybody hasn't told you yet, I love you. Peace out. One love, and I'll holler at all you guys later.